Here it is, another episode of the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Joff. Thank you for checking out the show. Big ups to everybody who's been posting, replying, giving me feedback. I do want to give a shout out to my guy Taras and Jose. They both listened to a couple of the more recent episodes. And uh, Taras said he listens to the show on Downcast. So it's an app I wasn't aware of. And it's good to hear that you can find the show on all these new places that I didn't know about before. So thanks to both of those guys. Really appreciate them listening. And hope you guys keep checking out the show as we go forward. Uh, yeah, that last one I did, episode 30, the best of, was really fun to put that together. Go back, dig in some of the old episodes, pull out some interview clips and things like that. And I just can't thank everybody enough that helped get this show to 30 episodes. And everybody was in that episode and helped contribute and listen and everything. Yeah, thanks so much. So we're on episode 31 now. Some of you might know this. I'm a huge wrestling fan. And uh, I started watching wrestling maybe when I was like eight or nine years old, you know, maybe like 84, right around when WrestleMania 1 was happening. So that's about where my interest started. And uh, two of my favorite tag teams back in the WWF days were the British Bulldogs and the Killer Bees. And in this episode, I got an opportunity to talk to one of the Killer Bees, B. Brian Blair. And he gave me a lot of time and Really appreciate it, and it's a really cool interview, and I really hope you guys enjoy it. We get to chop it up about his days in wrestling and business and health and things that are not necessarily wrestling-related that we all can relate to. So, uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It was really fun talking to him. As always, you can hear this show on all digital platforms, uh, specifically places like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Mixcloud, CastBox, also on Pandora and TuneIn app, so places like that. Follow the show on Twitter at Infinite Banter. I'm on there personally as DJ Soundwave75. Instagram, same thing, DJ Soundwave75. And you can follow the show on Facebook at Infinite Banter. So without further ado, let's get to this B. Brian Blair interview. But as always, this show never starts and never begins until you hear the devastating mic controller, DMC, say this. Yo, yo, what's up? This is me, DMC, the K-I-N-G, the greatest MC in history. And right now, you're listening to Infinite Banter, because we will banter on forever, because this is the only place for all of y'all to ever be. I be Infinite Banter. All right, you're checking out the Infinite Banter Podcast. I am Mark Jolliffe, and I am pleased and honored to be joined by, you know, one of my favorite tag teams in wrestling history. He is a president and CEO of the Cauliflower Alley Club, half of the Killer Bees from Tampa, Florida, the one and only B, Brian Blair. How's it going, Brian? It's going awesome, Mark. It's so good to be on your podcast with you today on the Infinite Banner. Man, wow, what a name. I love that. <laughs> yeah, you could use it, uh, you know, in a promo you might be doing if you're ever doing any <laughs> wrestling promos anymore. <laughs> yeah, man, I've been from Maine to Spain and deep down in the Ukraine, from ocean to ocean to coast to coast, north, south, east, and west. The one place I've never been is to the Infinite Banner. <laughs> I tried to give you a Howard Finkel intro there, by the way. I don't think it's quite as uh, up to par as Howard's, but uh, I did my best to let people know who, who B. Brian Blair is, man. <laughs> hey, you did a fabulous job, but uh, you know Howard's a man. How is, I, uh, how is Howard, by the way? I know he's had some health issues. Have you seen or talked to him recently? Or I haven't talked to him in a while. Um, the last time I talked to him, he was just starting, and um, I'm writing that down as we speak to call Howard, because I, I do need to, I, I, being, you know, the president and CEO of the College of Ally Club, I'm so involved with so many of the guys that have fallen on difficult financial times and, um, you know, things that have that are actually heart-wrenching, you know, recently uh, uh, Rocky Johnson passed away, and 
he was a very close friend of mine and uh, another very close friend of mine, Steve Kern, and I helped, you know, put the funeral together because his wife, Sheila, just happened suddenly and um, Rocky and Sheila just started coming to the same church that Steve Kern and uh, Jody Simon and myself attend uh, regularly, Idlewild Baptist Church. And, um, you know, Rocky really was into church for the year before he passed and um, made a big difference in his life. So I just uh, hope and pray he's in a better place. I believe that. And um, someday, hopefully, we'll see each other again. Yeah, what was it like with Rocky Johnson? Did you guys ever wrestle at all? Were you ever in the same ring together? We were on many a card together. Um, it's funny, uh, when um, Rocky just passed on January 15th, several people had sent me cards where we were both on the same um wrestling card and each one of them brought back memories fortunately i have a a pretty good memory um you know thinking about how fast that time goes and where we've been between that time uh all the um events that brought us to you know where we were being here in tampa florida were just amazing times i had gone down to stay with him and sheila a couple times and um in miami and uh, of course Dwayne has a, like a whole cul-de-sac of homes for for Atta, his uh, mom uh, Rocky's ex-wife and you know Rocky actually had a first wife um with two wonderful kids uh, Curtis and Rhonda then Sheila and Rocky had no children but uh Atta and Sheila of course had Dwayne everybody was there at the services and it was it was an interesting time. Yeah, for those that's on the outside, you know, Rocky Johnson does seem like a larger-than-life character and, and, and personality. And, of course, The Rock has gone on to be one of the biggest superstars in Hollywood and, of course, when he was a wrestler as well. But, yeah, it was really sad to see with Rocky Johnson pass. And, unfortunately, the wrestling world has lost many, many of its legends and superstars over the years. Oh, way too many. Way too many, way too early. And, you know, that's why uh, that's why we uh, I got so involved in the Cauliflower Alley Club. I got... I was honored there in 2001, and ever since 2001, something about that, I saw some of the people that they were assisting financially that uh, had made a lot of money, and I couldn't believe that they all of a sudden had fallen on difficult financial times, and I was searching my mind, Mark, you know, I was just trying to figure out, well, how in the heck could somebody make this much money? and and you know just lose it all and then as you get so involved in the cauliflower alley club you realize that you know um the creditors are merciless and they take everything they can but your house because it's against the law uh but if you don't pay your taxes then that's gone too so we've had to literally save several people's homes um because they hadn't paid the after if you don't pay your mortgage uh tax if you don't pay your taxes property taxes and three years they could take your home in any state and uh you know unfortunately several people have found themselves against the wall mostly due to medical bills and uh, you know that's that really bothers me you know that um i know that we can't afford a um a one size healthcare system that for everybody that some people are trying to push it just won't work financially you can only live within your means but uh and, and and we can you know nobody's going to be turned away at the emergency room or uh, or or you know if they had cancer or something they're not just going to leave them to die but um, even if they don't have insurance um, there's places to get help it's just 
you know, we've through the Cauliflower Alley Club found places to help people that fall in these situations. We've, you know, have so many people on our staff that, you know, check and talk to the different creditors and uh, try to get people uh, back in line where they can enjoy um, um, their life, whatever time they have left on this earth. Tomorrow's not promised to anybody by by any means, but at least, uh, you know, trying to make it more comfortable. Most recently, you know, uh, I, we don't mention names, but just most recently, Rip Oliver, who uh, publicly wanted us to, uh, wanted the Cauliflower Alley Club to be thanked. Um, he was, uh, you know, we had to go back and pay three years of his property taxes. The poor guy had no electricity. Uh, his cable, his uh, cable was turned off. His phone was turned off. He had he was just living there with an oxygen tank and a, a lady that came to see him for an hour a day and it was it was absolutely it was horrible and um, we've gotten everything straightened out and of all people uh, a guy that doesn't have the greatest reputation sometimes in the business but I've found him to be a very charming individual as of late uh, is Billy Jack Haynes who ripped trained and Billy Jack has actually been staying with him, flew there with his own money, uh, spent a lot of his own money with Rip and has done a lot of things to keep uh, Rip Oliver, um, you know, in the best mood that he could possibly be in. Yeah, Billy Jack, he had that lawsuit going, right, where he was getting uh, a bunch of names from the past to uh, file a grievance against, you know, for, for the injuries and the, the long-term health problems that many of the wrestlers of his time have. Uh, I don't know what the end result of that was, if it's still ongoing, but yeah, I do remember Billy Yeah, Jack. it is. Okay. It is. I didn't, well, they have a concussion lawsuit that's uh, a class action, meaning that, you know, more, more than X amount of people have signed up to to fight for for some type of um, restitution for for the concussions uh, and the head trauma that they received. But I didn't do that because I played major college football. I played sports since I was in middle school, and I've had my bell rung from everywhere. Um, I just uh, I just couldn't blame that completely on one promotion. It just wouldn't make sense to me. And nowadays, obviously, they could diagnose these things. You know, the technology has improved so much where they can find out more about the health effects of playing football, wrestling, everything else. Was it back then in the 80s when you were wrestling, you know, in your prime, was it not taken as seriously, you know, concussions, injuries? Was it just kind of like, you know, put some dirt on it, get back in there and go back in the ring? Was it just, obviously now they take more care and precaution, but it seemed like it was not as, not in the forefront of their mind back then, it seemed like. No, it was not. You know, it was like, um, if you didn't make your shot, there was somebody right behind you ready to take your place. And, you knew that if you didn't go out there and perform, then you were going to lose your job or or find yourself, you know, in the opening match, which, you know, nobody with uh, any kind of talent wanted to find themselves in. How's your health these days, Brian? Speaking of that. My health is fabulous. My, my doctor always asks me, what do I do, you know, all the time, even though my body's banged up. I just had my 15th operation um, surgery. I just had my right rotator cuff reattached uh, oh, about 10 days ago. And um, then on August 4th, uh, 2019, I, uh, or August 2nd, I mean, I had uh, major back surgery, um, which was uh, uh, not real 
easy. It was a, it was probably the hardest surgery that I had. Um, uh, fusing four discs and putting the cage in the back and nice. putting spacers in between and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of a, a, a tough time, but, uh, you know, I got over it. My back feels better than ever. I mean, it just feels like brand new. So, uh, there's some, there's some great surgeons, uh, the modern medicine, uh, thank God for it. It's, uh, it's really helping people. I mean, just the, the sh- shoulder surgery that I just had, it was orthoscopic and, um, and I didn't even have to take a pain pill or anything. It was just so easy. Now it's just the rehab and I'm a gym rat. I'm a gym rat anyway. So, you know, I love uh, working out. Just got to just adjust your exercises accordingly. You know, right now I'm just doing one arm cardio. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually do the elliptical with one arm and, uh, I just don't want to lose that pump. You know, I got to keep that blood flowing. And, uh, you know, the main thing is taking care of the heart, you know, you're, you know, keeping your arteries clean and eating right and getting some sleep and staying away from the wicked things that, uh, are all out there ready to pounce on you. Uh, so many, we've lost so many people in the business from narcotics. And I mean, it's so many to name. I mean, it's, it seems like, you know, every couple months there's another one, uh, you know, one of my all-time favorites, I was going to ask you about being, you know, from Florida, it was the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He's probably my favorite of all time. What was it like being around him and just seeing his personality up close and working with him? Golly, I've known Randy since I started in the business. He's a super guy, and I see Lanny often. Um, but Randy, powerful. Macho Man had uh, a very unique, obviously a very unique uh, personality, and um, he, he he kind of... Uh, was a lot like that in in person, but he was a very humble guy that would, uh, you know, if you needed him, he would be there for you. He's just like the perfect friend to have. I mean, I can't say anything. One iota uh, negative about Randy uh, Macho Man Savage, just, just a class act. And it's hard not to say Macho Man without also saying Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, he's another one of my favorites and one of the nicest guys I've ever met. What have your uh, interactions been with Ricky? Uh, Ricky was just honored. I run something also called Legends Lunch that started in 1999 when uh, Hiro Matsuda, uh, my trainer and a few other wrestlers' trainers, um, he was like the uh, henchman, so to speak, for Eddie Graham. You know, people would want to uh, try out for wrestling back in like. I don't know, the sixties and the seventies and he'd run them all out, you know, just stretch them and turn them into a pretzel and they'd leave. And, um, but, um, he, uh, he was great. Uh, I went through, um, three summers of three and a half summers of, um, a grueling type workouts and punishment. And, um, uh, hero was just a, a good guy though. You know, he knew, he knew when you've had enough, um, and um, once he liked you, he would only take you up to that had enough line. He wouldn't take you to the line of, uh, you're going to run out of here without your clothes, like over 100 people did, uh, while uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, um, Hulk Hogan, and myself were training with Hero. So when he got um, cancer, we started taking him to lunch, um, Jack Briscoe and I, other people would join us and then uh, um, Gordon Soli came down with cancer as well, throat cancer and then uh, Hero passed but the lunches kept growing and growing and so now every three months we have uh, Legends Lunch here in Tampa the next one is on February 28th where we're, we're 
will be honoring uh, Dory Funk Jr. Oh, wow. And uh, a young guy, David Mercury, um, who does really well on the independent scenes in Florida. So uh, we have a great time. Ronnie Garvin will be there. I just got off the phone with him. It's like my day, I, I probably talk to uh, at least five different people who you would consider major superstars in the wrestling industry every day. I mean, just it's normal kinda, for you. <laughs> it's kind of normal. Yeah. Just normal. Uh, we talk about business. People know that, um, you know, not, not just, uh, being successful in real estate, um, but the stock market and, um, other areas of business and politics and, things like that. I've uh, kind of learned how to manage a dollar. And so I try to give guys, you know, pointers in the good, in, in the right direction with, you know, whatever um, monies that they have available to invest. And I try to give them good sound advice without them having to, uh, I always recommend that they have a professional, but if they can't afford that, or they just want to listen to new ideas or maybe run something Ask me that somebody told them I can kind of make sense of it usually. Yeah, you're just doing that good work, B. Brian Blair. And uh, obviously, some of these guys, it's just been so long since they've had, you know, some help with these uh, situations and finances and such. But better late than never. But yeah, it would have been much better, obviously, if they would have gotten more help back then, of course. Yeah, you know who's a really intelligent guy? That, and he'll be at the, uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club. We have our 55th reunion coming up uh, April 27th through the 29th. And the tag team honorees are the Road Warriors. Obviously, Hawk can't be here, but Animal, Joe Laurinaitis will be here. Awesome. And also, awesome, awesome, <laughs> yeah, awesome. And Paul Ellering. Um, oh, wow. Uh, Paul, Paul is, uh, uh, is very bright when it comes to commodities and uh, the market. I mean, he's a very bright guy. And um, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about his world rather than, trading stocks the way I do. I, I, in the, I approach the market more as a long-term investment uh, and buy good companies that pay dividends. That's the kind of advice I try to give to, to guys, especially younger guys. Um, when you, when you get, uh, you know, when you get 60, my age, which you, uh, you want to, um, well, my, my dad's 86 and he still plays poker at the hard rock every day. I got, got to go lose, I, I got to go lose a hundred bucks. You know, <laughs> I, I, I could play with those sharks for about three hours for about three hours, uh, for a hundred bucks. I've kind of figured that's about the average. So, uh, I don't mind spending a hundred dollars to go see my dad for three hours, but it's amazing how sharp he is at 86. So when I'm playing for, for the retirement, for my family, for, for everybody. I mean, everybody should have a living will, living trust. I mean, it's very cheap. You can do it online for nothing. If you have, you know, even a little bit of common sense. Um, but nobody should be alive right now without having some direction towards, uh, what they would want, whether they would want to be cremated, whether they would want to be buried, you know, and if you have any assets, who would those assets go to? Um, would you want to remain on life support? Um, th those are questions that are all templated, uh, online, ready to roll. And there's no reason for anybody not to go do that. It's just, uh, you know, we're all passing through this earth and, um, through this time and we have to make the most of it. But at the same time, we don't want to leave our loved ones with more grief than they already have you know, in mourning your loss. If you're, 
if you've got everything laid out, it makes everything so much uh, easier for everyone. Yeah, I have a seven-month-old, so those kind of things are now at the forefront of my brain than they ever were in the past. So, yeah, those listening to the podcast, heed the words of B. Brian Blair. Get your stuff together. (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening to hear about wrestling toeholds and such, that's not what you're getting here. You're getting financial advice and health advice from the one and only B. Brian Blair. (laughs) Yeah, they always told us it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. That was the line of the promoters. Hey, hey, you know, hey, Eddie, why is my, uh, shouldn't I have made uh, 500 rather than 300 here? Uh, you know, just, uh, well, you know, kid, it's not how much you make, it's how much you save. <laughs> go save 200, go, go save 200 bucks of that 300 and you'll thank me 10 years from now. Sounds like a t-shirt, <laughs> but I don't know if it would sell well. I don't know. <laughs> how did, how did you get started in wrestling? I know you're a sports star in high school and you wanted to play football in college. How did you transition into wrestling? Well, I wrestled. I won the first um, regional championship uh, for middle school back at Webb Middle School um, that they ever had in Florida. And from there, and I played football as well in middle school and then high school and had several scholarship offers. Um, yeah, the dual scholarship. I had a dual scholarship to the University of Tampa and the Bucks came. So they blamed the athletic program for bringing their uh, academics uh, into a lower uh, rating. And I, I don't think that was factual. I think it was more because these Tampa Spartans for which, you know, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff played number 40. I used to sell sodas in the Tampa Stadium and watch him and Freddie Solomon. Oh, is that right? Yes, and Freddie Solomon, the only person that broke his receiving records at the San Francisco 49ers was Jerry Rice. And um, That's good company right there. (laughs) Yeah, and John Matuzak. I mean, they had just such a tremendous, you know, you've got the number – You've got the number one Division two college in the nation drawing 30,000 people on a Saturday night. Uh, and, um, and then you got the Buccaneers, which everybody knew were going to um, have a tough go of it at the beginning until they you know, got a program implemented properly. And uh, people like to see winners. For some reason, they got, rid of, uh, they got rid of football at the University of Tampa. I wound up... Uh, all the scholarships were gone. So Vince Gibson, who was my second choice at the University of Louisville, told me to go to St. Leo College in Dayton City for one semester, and then he could give me a scholarship. So I went and played football for uh, Tilroy Morrison in uh, Dade City for the Monarchs, and um, uh, then I went to Louisville. So that was all good. Which position did you play in football? I played actually both ways. I played nose guard and offensive guard, Oh, okay. Um, depending on which team and what time and um sometimes i sat on the bench you know just (laughs) just uh wherever i could participate at st lou i played both ways and every specialty team and i never came out with the field then you know louisville division one it's a lot tougher and so i had to work in the depth charts from second uh string um i went from second string to um uh, nose guard to second string offensive guard, back to nose guard and back to offensive guard. And I flip-flopped around a lot. But then my, my junior year um, of college, I was still training with Hiro Matsuda and somebody, for some reason, the referee couldn't show up in um, at the last minute in Jacksonville. And I happened to have gone there with the Briscoes. And they said, well, let Brian referee. And 
I thought to myself, oh, gosh, you know, they came and asked me, hey, can you referee? And <laughs> uh, Eddie Graham was telling me, he's the boss. He says, hey, can, Brian, can you referee uh, for us? We really need you. And I said, well, I, I mean, um, uh, can you help me a little bit? I'm sure I can. I'll do my best. You know, I'm excited about the opportunity, but I don't want to mess up. Oh, you can't mess up. When their shoulders are down, you just count one, two, three. You mean, I, I said, just like amateur wrestling, right? the same the same talent he said yeah exactly, exactly like it. so i said i said okay and he said you told me the rest of the instruction you know if they're not back in the ring at the count of 20 and they're outside you disqualify them i don't care i've already told them they're either in the ring at the count of 20 or they get disqualified we have rules here so he gave me a little rule instruction and i went over it <laughs> and i for the matches half hour whatever time i had 45 minutes i can't remember exactly but uh, it was it was pretty simple compared to you know watching and understanding how you know wrestling works and uh, when you get pinned there's just no points so <laughs> i didn't have to keep track of right. right and um i was angela poffo versus remember an old timer named maurice there was Mad Dog Rashawn. Oh, yeah, right. And he had a brother named Maurice. So Maurice Rashawn and Angelo Poffo, who were both probably 60 years old then, uh, still wrestling. Right. And uh, when we went out in the ring, and um, they didn't tell me anything. No, I just went out there. I gave him. I had that just little, figured it uh, out. <laughs> I had that little white piece of paper that he gave me. <laughs> and so I pulled that white piece of paper out, and I told him the rules. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I stuck the white piece of paper back in my pocket. And anyway, they got me. They they grabbed me and they did so many ribs to me. It was crazy. And all of a sudden, uh, I forget whose shoulders were down. But, you know, they did a couple of false finishes, one two, and they lifted their shoulders appropriately. Boom! And all of a sudden, I cut. I think I counted Angela down one two three, and he jumped up and. They both got me in the middle in the corner, wedged me into the corner, and they were reaming me out, and the fans were peed off. And I didn't know what to do because, you know, they told me I the, the other guy was supposed to go over, and I didn't even know what they were talking about because they didn't smart me up. Oh, <laughs> At the time, I wasn't smartened up. You know, I mean, I knew it was a work. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to because there's no way any man could. Uh, it's the Tampa screwdriver. No kind of, <laughs> punishment. Yeah, just a Tampa screwdriver. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but I should have told, I need to tell Brett about that next. I don't know if I ever told him about that, but he can correlate anyway to, to what you're saying. But uh, just good old memories. You know, the wrestling business is one of the greatest industries that I could ever imagine being. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade a thing. You know, I've had well over 5,000, probably 6,000 matches in about 50 countries, you know, Got to wrestle in WrestleMania two, three, four. I was at WrestleMania five. I had already given my notice, so Vince paid me, and I didn't have to work. The first Royal Rumble, you know, we won the um, first Survivor Series, um, won the Jack Tunney tournament um, as Killer Bees. Had Mr. T as our manager. Um, did all kinds of great things that I'm very, very grateful for. And so now I, uh, I enjoy giving back. Uh, I do comic cons, you know, at least twice a month or autograph sessions and. Uh, just had my last wrestling match on uh, July 27th, the week before I had back surgery. That's on YouTube from Pro Wrestling. Oh, we can go on there and watch, watch a pre-back yep. surgery be Brian Blair going at it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, I wish somebody would have explained that, you know, because they did the voiceover afterwards and nobody knew anything. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a bad match, but it's not like what I could have done if, I wasn't about to have back surgery and the promoter 
promoter didn't beg me to work because it was sold out. So, how did it feel getting in the ring again and doing that that match? Well, I almost didn't get in the ring. They had to help me get up to the. Uh, they had to help me actually walk up. Lift, they lifted me up to the platform behind the curtain, and then I kind of had tears in my eyes and painfully walked to the curtain. And when I opened the curtain, the the sound was deafening and they were cheering my name and everything. And so all of a sudden I just got some, something came over me and I was able to, you know, to get through it. That adrenaline, right? <laughs> I guess that's what they call it. Yes. <laughs> or that willpower. Yeah. But whatever it is, Mark, it sure works. And talk about the killer bees, how you guys formed, how you and Jim Brunzel were put together, how that, the killer bees, how that whole thing came together. I was wrestling, I had wrestled for uh, Vince Sr. on two different occasions in the early 80s. Went back to Florida. I was a Florida heavyweight champion in 82, and the Florida WTOG Channel 44 went up to New York, to New York City. And uh, so, you know, I always had exposure in New York, which was really good and Vince McMahon Sr. liked the way that you know he liked the style that I worked the, the more uh, wrestling type style and um, he asked me to come up I came up two different occasions um, went back uh, won the Florida Heavyweight Championship again for the second time in 1984 around uh, right at 85 I knew I was going back because Vince already Vince Jr. said because uh, this is when Vince Sr. was getting sick. Um, he had prostate cancer. And so Vince Jr. was about to take over, or was pretty much, you know, in that role. And Jr. said, hey, Brian, I-, I want you to come up to work for the Intercontinental title. I want you to be the Intercontinental champion. And I said, okay, that sounds great to me. Uh, he said, go to Florida, do your thing. I've already talked to Eddie. And uh, I went to Florida, did my thing. I still wrestled for Mike and um, was have, had a program going with Rick Rude. And it was hot all over the whole state of Florida. It was really hot. I mean, every place was just jam up. And I was making money. And But I got this call. Uh, Terry Hulk Hogan called me and said, hey, Brian, um, Vince wants you to come up and they're starting a new tag division. We want you to uh, to tag up and they're going to give you the belts and all that eventually um, with Jim Brunzel. And, you know, he had come from, Terry had come from the AWA. So, you know, Vince was just cherry picking every territory's right. top talent and, and taking it. And so I was the top talent in Florida. So now they're trying to get me to leave early and not give my two weeks notice. And I didn't want to do that. And so I, it, it was in my mind, you know, the big deal now, WrestleMania one had happened. Uh, Tito Santana and I got Paul Orndorff ready for WrestleMania one, uh, before I came back to Florida, down to Florida to do the Florida heavyweight championship deal program here with Rick Root and, uh, Jesse Barr and Ron Bass. And there's a couple of people, but, uh, so I got, I get the call from Terry. I said, okay. I, he said, please, please try to get here for Brantford television. And that would have been 10 days rather than two weeks. So I would have had to cut a few days right. of my notice off. And I was on, I was on the way to Fort Myers and I get a flat tire and I said, Oh man, gosh, darn. Uh, I don't know what to do. And New York kept calling me. And so the first shot I missed, I, Somehow I got my tire fixed. I don't remember. 
uh, some I remember some man came by and, and a very nice gentleman <laughs> came by and helped me change my tire, but I was still going to be about an hour late. And um, uh, somehow I, I get word we didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a cell phone then anyway. I stopped and called my house, and he had been calling my house. My Graham wondering where I was at because he said they were, they were sold out in Fort Myers, completely packed. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't Fort Myers. It was further south, uh, Fort Lauderdale. And uh, excuse me, completely packed and um, just decided, well, you know, I'm going to New York tomorrow. And I did, and I met Jimmy in um, in time for television and Brantford. And George Scott came up to us, a booker. Uh, he was real nice, uh, introduced us. Uh, Jimmy was great. Uh, enjoyed meeting Jimmy for the first time. And he said, okay, listen, you guys are going to be a uh, tag team and we need a catchy name. And uh, you guys are on in like 45 minutes. So, um, well, just Vince like, just like that, huh? <laughs> Figured us out like in 45 just, minutes. Yeah, just like that, Mark. So anyway, I, you know, we're talking, we're talking this, this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, I, I remember there was a, a football team and their, their linebackers, we're all bees, the Miami Dolphins, Mom Gartner and Bonacani, and um, they were the killer bees. I said, what about the killer bees, since we're Blair and Brunzel? And Jimmy said, that, yeah, I like that. You know, that sounds that sounds good. And George Scott came. And I said, George, uh, we, uh, how about the killer bees? And he goes, killer bees, killer bees. Wow, I like that. Let me see if Vince likes it. So he takes off. Uh, George Steele's there. Um, Larry Poffo, um, just a, a whole bunch of guys. The locker room was packed, and um, dressing room was packed. And um, George left. He came back. He comes back, and, and we had because we had already told him about the Killer Bees. So he goes and tells Vince, comes back and says, "Hey, you guys are now the Killer Bees." And when he did, Manny Poffo reached into a, his bag and pulled out a pair of bee trunks. I couldn't believe that. Just happened to have he those. Had a pair, <laughs> he already had a uh, Manny already had a pair of black and yellow striped B trunks. Get Amazing. out of here. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll never forget that. That's an honest truth. And so we uh, became the killer bees there in Brantford, Ontario, Canada. That's amazing. Lanny Poffwell, next to the Frisbee. He just so happened to have some black and yellow tights <laughs> for you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, no, no telling what he's got in his bag. Oh, the stars uh, were aligned. Yeah, right. <laughs> what else is in there? <laughs> is that where the masks were, too? I mean, you guys had the mask confusion gimmick. Did he happen to have those in his bag? It's like, oh, by the way, guys, you want to do this mask no, that, <laughs> that mask confusion actually came from uh, Billy Red Lions when we were doing taping in Canada. Uh, he said, I, I, this is kind of a hero gimmick, he says to us, um, where uh, I had a partner. Uh, this is Billy Red talking. He said, Billy Red says, this is kind of a hero gimmick. I had a partner that was about the same size as me. He told me his name, Whipper Watson, somebody. And he said, we'd put these masks on and people would go crazy. They'd go, oh, the wrong guy, pin the wrong guy, da, da, da. He goes, you guys could do that as baby faces as long as the heel gets enough heat on you. And the people, I guarantee you, they will go crazy over it. So Jimmy and I thought about it, thought about it. We said, okay, let's do it. And so we got the masks. And the first time we did it, the people went. We were working against the Heart Foundation, yeah. and they went absolutely bananas when we did that. And Lord Blair's called it mass confusion. He said, "Talk about confusion! This is mass confusion." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you guys had like you know similar build, similar height, like you said, and, and that you couldn't tell. You could really couldn't tell. You know, and the, of course, Jesse Venturi announcers are always going crazy about it. But uh, that was great. You guys had some great matches with Heart Foundation. Were you guys surprised you never? had an actual title run? 
Well, they promised them to us three times. Vince promised them to us three times, and George Scott equally promised them to us three times. You know, I, I always knew that uh, Jimmy and Vince had heat. I didn't know why they had heat until about a year ago or less, maybe not even a year ago. We were doing a podcast, and Jimmy said that he sued Vince and won before he even went to work for Vince. I didn't know that, but, uh, and I don't know that that would have really changed anything, but, uh, as far as us being partners, but it, um, certainly didn't sit well with Vince. And it was like, there was always friction between the two of them. And I didn't understand why the friction, you know, and you know, why we kept getting jerked around, you know, and at the same time, Vince is trying to make me happy. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, finally I, I was in Salisbury, Maryland, right before WrestleMania five. And I said, uh, I asked Vince if I could talk to him. He said, sure. And I said, Vince, um, I need to give my notice. Um, you know, obviously you've promised us the belts three times. He goes, I know, I know. And I said, obviously for some reason we didn't get them. I said, it's not my business. It's your business. I said, but my business is feeding my family. And, um, and you guys are split to, up by uh, this type too, right? The killer bees are no longer a tag team at this point. Correct. No, no I did. I had to tell Jimmy, I gotta leave. I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. I, I said, uh, first off, we just got done wrestling 67 days in a row in four different countries. And Jimmy was, we were somewhere, um, I can't remember. And, uh, his two kids, Jimmy and Jenny were graduating from like, um, uh, middle school and some other grade. And he wasn't going to be there. And I'm listening to this gloom and doom and, and then we're in Australia, we were in Sydney, and I get a call, and my grandfather, who was my best friend, he died, and, um, you know, I just didn't, uh, couldn't believe that my grandfather had died, and um, it, it was, you know, just, uh, some things happened, and, and I had always remembered Pete Gromkowski from Gold's Gyms in um, Venice Beach, California. Um, Pete owned 54% of Gold's Gym Corporate. And he said, Brian, if you ever want to open up a Gold's Gym, he said, uh, I'd love to help you. I didn't know really what that meant. But um, so I was uh, really always kind of a, had a business mind. And um, I would have had to figure out where I was going to put my gym time in my calendar, regardless of what I did. Just like in wrestling, you know, you it's the gym every day is part of your life. If, you know, if if that's your gimmick. I mean, obviously there's some guys you can tell that's not part of their life, <laughs> but, but anyway, it was part, right. part of our life. So, uh, uh, I talked to, I called uh, Pete up and he goes, yeah, I'll give you your first license fee for free. At that time it was $7,500 for a year. And, uh, so he gave me that for no charge. Um, I opened up, uh, my first gold's gym, um, soon to open up three more then I wound up selling rights to three other ones. And, you know, I sold them for, you know, uh, debt free for $2.1 million, which is public record. I wouldn't say that. Um, because when you're a public, uh, servant, you have to find, uh, disclose all your financial assets and where you got the money from. So, um, you know, that was, that was a good thing. Uh, started me off into um, real estate and some other ventures. And um, now here I am um, just uh, 
healing some wounds, licking some wounds, and uh, trying to help people at the Cauliflower Alley Club because I'm really excited about our 55th anniversary coming up in Vegas. I mean, if, if people don't know about it, if your listeners, Mark, don't know about the Cauliflower Alley Club, mm-hmm. I mean, people that listen to the Infinite Banner need to remember that the CAC is the greatest. If you even like wrestling at all, for $25 a year, you can join the Cauliflower Alley Club and you get a beautiful certificate. I still have mine in my room. When I joined in, um, in 2001, the same year that I, I was awarded with the men's wrestling honoree, I um, joined uh, the CAC, and, and then I wound up getting a lifetime membership for 300 bucks a year, so it proved out to be a much better investment. But uh, for a one-time charge of $300, because not only do you get that beautiful certificate, uh, for framing, but you get four four colored newsletters that are amazing. So much information that you don't find on the inter- on the internet, with tremendous photos that you know you just don't see. Um, and it's like the greatest party on earth. Um, they have we have rooms for fifty bucks a night. Um, and it's in Vegas, of course, event. right? So I mean, you've got to have a good time for sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole the whole reunion only costs one hundred and twenty five dollars, uh, and that includes all the seminars um i mean you can get in a bowling uh tournament the cribbage tournament the strut tournament um strut contest we have free wrestling and wrestling matches you have um two honoree awards nights where the food is off the chart it's all included in that 125 dollars and that's how we uh make the money to help the wrestlers that we uh that we assist so the proceeds yeah yeah if you don't mind if you if the your listeners yeah uh, go ahead collegefowleralleyclub.org and it's coming up in april correct the uh coming up in april yeah right after you get your tax money fly on down to vegas and go go visit the cauliflower alley club there you go there you go you'll have a great time and uh you know we'll sell out we've been selling out for the last five years we've had five straight sellouts so we usually sell out about uh two three weeks before the event uh, in April, so hurry up, go to cauliflowerallyclub.org and um, become a member. You have to be a member. That's $25 to be a, a member, and um, then your reunion ticket is $125, covers the entire reunion. Again, $50 a night hotel rooms. Can't beat that. No, not at all. I mean, and you're in Vegas. I mean, you get to, you get to meet some of your legends of all time there that you've grown up watching and idolizing, So you, it's and all going to a good cause. I mean, how can you not go to see these guys right awesome. and the and the honorees that we have mark are amazing you know uh, the rising star award uh there's a male female brian pillman jr and madison miles uh james c melby award greg oliver uh referee award uh somebody before my time but he's certainly deserving art williams uh um posthumous award jim londos and his daughter will be there uh, accepting it, uh, Christina Londos, La, uh, and um, then the uh, wrestler Jazz will be there as as well. And then uh, we have Ricky Santana, who's getting men's wrestling uh, honoree. The um, trainers awards going to Dominic Danucci. I believe that um, that McFoley McBoll- will be presenting him. Everybody's got a presenter too, so you never know who's going to be there. I mean, it's like the who's who of wrestling. Uh, uh, I had mentioned we had the Road Warriors um, as a tag team award winner. The Luthers winner is Rob Van Dam. We actually have the second female ever, only two times as a, a female ever won the Iron Mike Award. And um, that's going to uh, Medusa Alundra Blaze. Oh, wow. Awesome. 
so we've got a, a great, a great, and then we, then we give away what's called the Courage Award, but we don't say who that is, but it's somebody that we help uh, or have helped, and, uh, you know, they will uh, accept the, the Courage Award. Yeah, I'm part of so, a wrestling group on Facebook, and we've talked about maybe making the pilgrimage down there, and uh, one of our members, Naya Kennedy, she's been to it tons of times, and I've seen her pictures, and I'm definitely envious. I've seen you, oh, she's yeah. met down there, so yeah, it looks like a great time. Yeah, Naya loves it every year. She's always there. She's great. I mean, everybody's like family there. I mean, it's, it's like everybody just, uh, you know, one thing we do, we don't allow, like, if you're not a nice person, just don't even come because <laughs> if somebody, some, somebody acts like a butthead, you're not going to be there long because we'll definitely throw you out and uh, never let you come back. I was going to say, you might put them in an arm lock or something or a figure four, and then you throw them out, right? Yeah, that's why we get, that's why we got uh, Hawk here this year. Warrior Hawk's going to take care of him. Yeah, who's going to talk a lot of crap to a guy who's got spiked shoulder pads? I mean, I, that takes. A, <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There you go. Before I let you go, Brian, I have to ask you about WrestleMania three. I mean, that was you know in Pontiac Silverdome. The, the crowd was humongous. You know, record setting and everything. Uh, and you guys were the match with Sheik and Volkov right before the main event with Hogan and Andre. Just talk about just being in that moment or in that match with all those people. And did you guys realize how big of a deal it was at that time? Yes and no. Uh, it was the most unbelievable thing, Mark, to go out in a modified golf cart in front of 90,000 people in a pair of modified underwear. And <laughs> you look around and you see people that are very close to you. You can see their faces and you look up and you see ants, <laughs> but they're all screaming. And it's just, uh, um, words alone could probably not describe the feeling that I don't think there's a drug in the world that could make you that high. Uh, it's just, just an incredible, incredible feeling. I mean, it feels great to go out in front of, you know, five or 10,000 people, but when you go out in front of 90,000 people, I mean, that's that's just amazing. It really is. And, you know, to know that the spotlight's right on you, you don't have football pads and a helmet on. I mean, you're just you're just there. And you're just there and you're bare and you're, and you're ready to rumble. <laughs> it's just a, <laughs> it's a good deal. And uh, I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring up Iron Sheik, that whole weirdness that he was doing some years ago with the rant. You know, whatever you want to say about it, you can if you don't, I understand. But uh, I just remember, you know, watching those videos years ago, like, why is he, this is so random. What is going on here? So do you know why those ever happened? Or did you guys ever iron it out? Uh, no pun intended. Well, Nikolai always said that it was because when I stretched him in Hershey, Pennsylvania, he never got over it because you know, she, she and I used to shoot a little bit at the beginning of of the matches once in a while. Nobody would ever win. We'd go into the ropes or whatever, but he had me in a, um, I think he had me in a front face lock or he was, he was shooting for a front face lock and I wound up getting him in a double wrist lock and all of a sudden, and I had it cinched in tight and all of a sudden he started slamming his boot, kicking his pointed boots on the ground. Going, okay, okay, B B B, okay, B B B, let up, let up, let up, okay, B B. I said, no, you got to tap, you got to tap for Nikolai. He said, ah, no, 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 no. I said, tap for Nikolai. So finally he goes, okay, okay, and he taps, and Nikolai just rode his butt, you know. And the people really didn't know what was going on, you know. We're just 
they thought we were just wrestling, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> not Iron Cheek, though. <laughs> no, not Iron Cheek. So, so anyway, he, he just kind of never got over that. I would have held that grudge but, all those years. <laughs> yeah, we'll be uh, – actually, I don't know if he'll be uh, – I'm in uh, Queens, New York on um, March 6th and uh, Albany on March 7th. Um, I know Eric Sims is one of the promoters there who's very close with the Sheik. I, I forgot to ask him whether the Sheik will be there or not. When you but, first saw that rant, did you laugh or you were kind of like disturbed or was it just like, what is going on? <laughs> I couldn't even imagine your reaction to that. Well, Nikolai and Sheik were always funny, you know, the way they tease each other. You know, Nikolai was, you know, was a little bit more intelligent than Sheik, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, Nick was a pretty intelligent guy and, and he knew how to get under the Sheik skin. So it was, it was all good. It was all in good time. And on this podcast, you talk about comic books and stuff, and I, I have to ask you about the Killer Beats comic book I saw was uh, available online, and you and Brunzel, obviously. Did, how much did you guys have a hand in that, and how did that turn out? Comic books are great. Um, I mean, you can go to uh, uh, the Killer Bee Store, not uh, killerbeestore.net. Uh, we have comic books, pictures, all the, all kinds of stuff at the killerbeestore.net. And um, we have... Um, uh, the first one came out, uh, our single edition one and one and two came out, which were the, you know, how we got to New York, how we grew up in wrestling. And it's a great story, animated story, obviously what we dreamed of when we were kids, it's all true stuff. I mean, there's, uh, I just have just read Rocky Johnson's, uh, it was, it was awesome by the way. And, um, you know, there's some, some, some great, uh, comic books out there, but our new one, uh, where both Jimmy and I are telling the story where it's the killer bees combined, uh, comes out in June. Then the three of them will be packaged and that will go to the largest comic book distributor in the world. Uh, we just, uh, our parent company inverse press just signed a deal with, uh, um, this new, uh, big time comic company. So I'm anxious to see. How oh, that, that is awesome. And you brought up comic cons earlier. Hopefully you come to a comic con. Like I'm here in Chicago. Uh, C2E2 is coming up at the end of the month. It would be awesome for you and Jim to be at one of these comic cons and promoting the comic book. And of course your guys career and everything too. But when you, when you say Chicago, one of my favorite places to wrestle, uh, a long time ago was the Rosemont Horizon. Yeah, now known as the Allstate Arena. But yeah, right. And WrestleMania two was there, or a third of it was. Yeah, and you guys are in that right. Battle Royal with the fridge and Jimbo Covert, couple oh, yeah. of X-Bears. Yeah. Yeah, uh, actually, Sheik stretched uh, Bill Fralick. Oh, um, and he got hurt from it? Well, when I say stretched, he made him tap out. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's our terminology. like um, So Bill Fralick was a, supposedly a, a good wrestler, amateur wrestler and he wanted to try the chic out <laughs> Uh oh! <laughs> yeah he shouldn't have done that you know what was that like you know wrestling with football players or was there any kind of prep to it or was it just kind of yeah, just go in there just kind of hit each other and you know andre wins no nah, they were cool it was all good yeah and nothing, nothing bad to say they yeah. were very respectful very respectful and you know most all the guys that i know of were respectful back so it was all good and they just had the Royal Rumble for WWE, and you were in the first one. That must be kind of a different kind of charge because you're just running into like the eye of the storm, you know, with a bunch of other guys and just going at it real quick. Uh, what were your thoughts on the first Royal Rumble that you uh, that you were actually part of? Oh, I remember it uh, very well. Um, you know, one man gang. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
uh, that was Pat Patterson's brainchild. And, uh, you know, it's still one of their major events every year. And it was, uh, it was a tremendous concept, you know, to, to go out there, to be the first two guys out there. Uh, I think I was the sixth guy. If I, I, I'm not exactly sure, but it seems like around the sixth guy and like the sixth from the last to leave. And, um, so I was out there for quite a while and it was just a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's uh it's a whole different twist to a battle royal. Yeah, it was it was really awesome. It's my favorite pay per view of all the the wrestling pay per views that they have. Before I let you go here, any match uh, that stands out for you, or any any time that uh, you've had in the ring that's uh, maybe your favorite moment? Well, I loved the match that I had that we had as Killer Bees. My favorite tag team match was the Killer Bees versus the Heart Foundation for Saturday Night Main Event uh, when we took over the Saturday Night Live time slot in L.A. Um, and we did the mass confusion and beat the heart foundation. Um, and Brett put that in his book as one of the best or the best tag team match that he's ever had, uh, was probably mine as well. And then my, my favorite singles match was, um, and I had several of them with Paul Orndorff, but was with Paul Orndorff in the chase in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. Paul was just a tremendous heel. I loved working with Paul. Yeah, he was really fun uh, watching him back then. Going, he went face to heel a couple times, and him and Hogan were going at it, and he was just put together like a lot of the wrestlers back then, of course. I think in that match with Heart Foundation, you you guys were in black and yellow Jordans, is that right? Well, we had uh, Nikes, um, and we had a deal for the uh, for WrestleMania three is the first time we wore those. If you go back and look, WrestleMania three, and for some reason we were getting ready to make the best payday um, of our life, and that fell through and we don't even know the details. Um, I don't know what the deal was. The Nike people were all excited. I don't know if Vince asked for more than what they were offering, which had to be the case. There's only one way that deal fell through is that Vince asked for more than, than what Nike was willing to give. So, uh, but I still have mine. <laughs> oh, you still have them. Oh, you know, those are worth a lot. So definitely hold on to those. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. You know, uh, one thing Steve Kern taught me when Mike Graham died, he had all kinds of things uh, from wrestling, but he didn't sign anything. So what Steve Kern does, uh, you know, he's been doink. He's been the fabulous ones. He's been Skinner. He's been Steve Kern. Um, he takes everything that he has uh, when he doesn't, when he's, you know, sitting around bored and says, I need something to do. He goes and he starts signing things so that when he dies, as we talked about at the top of the show, you know, he has uh, something that his family can sort through and keep and sell the rest. That's a legacy right there. And like you're talking about with the will and everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, you can't beat that because you got to sign all this merchandise and it's almost like leaving money behind <laughs> having all this signed merchandise that the family exactly, or somebody can exactly. use. Yeah. And the guys need to do this. You know, the guys, the guys need to do this. You know, the thing about wrestling, I know we got to end, end Mark, um, but the thing about wrestling is, you know, you don't have insurance, you don't have health care, you don't have, a, a, you know, any type of a re- retirement plan, not even, not even a 401k. I mean, unless you start it yourself, but nobody even tells you how to do this stuff. And, you know, they, and, I don't know how Vince has gotten away with calling everybody an individual contractor because you're not. I know the laws of an individual contractor, you know, having over a hundred employees, you know, we had aerobics instructors 
And we just had to have one main instructor that would hire the other instructors that would go to Bally's and LA Fitness and all the other gyms. Because if you tell them, if you give them a schedule and tell them where to go, where to be, uh, then they are an employee. That's, that's the IRS law. And when you work for WWE, you go where they tell you to go. I mean, you can't just uh, say, okay, I'm going to work for AEW tonight and uh, I'm going to work for you tomorrow. So you're an employee. But what that does is it puts an extra 1% tax burden on the uh, performer and it takes the tax burden off of the employer. So, why why that hasn't been challenged, I have no idea, but I'll just leave it there. Uh, it's been a great show, Mark. I mean, being on the Infinite Banner with my man Mark has been a pleasure. Oh, man. I, thanks so much. Uh, once again, give the uh, website for the Cauliflower Alley Club for those who are interested in going. Yes, org. April 27th through the 29th. Um, we are uh, selling tickets at a rapid pace, so hurry up. Uh, I guarantee you, you'll have the time of your life. I promise you. And people could follow you on Twitter, right? B. Brian Blair? B. Brian Blair uh, at KillerB1B. Uh, Facebook, uh, Brian Blair in Tampa. Carl Lowers on the picture. I think I have four Facebook pages. Uh, <laughs> I got a KillerB Facebook page. But um, yeah, Twitter, KillerB1B, and um, uh, Facebook. Uh, and. Um, you know, through the Cauliflower Alley Club. Man, it was an honor to talk to you, B. Brian Blair. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for taking me down the history, and I need to get on that will. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do. Yeah, good luck with the seven months you're as uh, a seven month old, and uh, yeah, you got you got a you got a, a whole lifetime of good times in front of you. And I, I'll just say this, and uh, this is for your wife's uh, benefit. Uh-huh. Teach your children responsibility and accountability because too many kids today are, and we, we, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Uh, my wife was guilty, guilty, guilty. We spoil them, want to do everything that we can to help them out. When in fact, when they are old enough to brush their teeth, they don't sure be better be brushing their teeth. They better know how to make their bed. You teach them to make their bed and it better be made in the morning. You have got to teach them discipline and responsibility. And if you don't, you're only hurting your children. So please, you know, uh, that doesn't come, you know, raising kids doesn't come with a manual. There's a lot of books out there, but the most important thing you can ever teach your kids is re- responsibility and accountability. Give them a fish, make them keep the fish alive. Give them a plant, make them water the plant. You know, just teach them that, you know, uh, life isn't free. You've got to earn it. Man, words of wisdom for B. Brian Blair. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And when my uh, my seven-month-old Melody gets out of line, I'm going to tell her to bother B. Brian Blair because he's got some advice for her. In case, or, or I'll play this episode for her, at least the last 30 seconds of it. <laughs> All right, Mark. Thanks so yeah, much, really Brian great. Blair. It's an honor talking to you, man. Yes, sir. You too, Mark. All right, take, take it easy. Take care. God bless to you and your listeners. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. You too, man. This is Shaz McKenzie, and you're listening to the Infinite Banter Podcast. Thanks again to B. Brian Blair for coming on the Infinite Banter Podcast. It was really cool to have him on. I learned some new lingo today. I didn't know what stretch meant as far as wrestling terminology. So it's really cool to learn that. And, you know, I didn't know about the origin of the name, the Killer Bees. So a lot of cool stuff in that interview. 
and I appreciate all you guys for checking it out. Time for you to leave, assholes. All right, so that's it. I'm out of here. Thanks again to B. Brian Blair for coming on the show. Really appreciate his time. I think I'm going to go watch some old Killer Bees uh, matches. You know, I watch WrestleMania 3 again and see that match with Iron Sheik and Volkoff. And when Duggan comes in with the 2x4, and they did have some classic matches. You know, a lot of people kind of slept on how good the Killer Bees were. So definitely got to give it up to him. Brunzel had like the best dropkick. You know, if you had to rate drop kicks in wrestling, he definitely was one of the best. So definitely appreciate his time and talking wrestling. And I always love going back and talking about stuff from my childhood, whether it's hip hop music or wrestling. It's that's my wheelhouse. So thanks again for checking out the show. As always, you can find it on all digital platforms, usual places, Spotify, CastBox, Pandora, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podknife. If you're listening to it now, you already have a spot to find it. And you can always follow the show on Twitter at Infinite Banter. I'm on there as well at DJ Soundwave75. Facebook at Infinite Banter. Instagram, feel free to bother me there, DJ Soundwave75. All right, that's it for this episode. Time for me to take B. Brian Blair's advice and go figure out a will. I do not have one. I think I need to make one and get that figured out. So uh, thanks to B. Brian Blair for uh, getting me uh, on track a little bit, thinking about things in a different point of view. I don't know who's going to get all these records and comic books and all this other nerd stuff that I've accumulated over the years. These Funko Pops, they got to go to someone, you know. So uh, (laughs) thanks to B. Brian Blair for putting that out there. And for everybody listening and myself included, yeah, if you don't have that will figured out, it's time to get that done. So yeah, I don't have one. Somebody's got to get all this cool stuff I have. I mean... My daughter might want it or she might think it's lame and, you know, maybe she doesn't want a a signed Cool Keith record. I don't know. Somebody's going to want this Star Wars crap that I have. I don't know. Make sure to check out B. Brian Blair at the cauliflowerallyclub.org. And uh, that annual reunion is coming up in April in Las Vegas. Uh, Maybe I could try to go, but uh, if not this year, maybe next year. I would love to check it out sometime. Yeah, definitely check it out. Cauliflowerallyclub.org. All right, that's it. I'm out of here until I do another one of these. I'll catch you guys on the next one. I am out. Peace.